The reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. 
I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. The word of the Lord. I mentioned to Dan that I would not be reading the passage, and he laughed. Dan's in the back. Oh, so you get more time to preach. Yes, exactly. And she sounds much better, right? We are looking at chapters, John chapters 12, 13, and 14 in the Holy Week. We started with Palm Sunday, chapter 12. For Monday, Thursday, Jesus is washing his disciples' feet and giving them a new commandment. And then here in chapter 14, for our Easter celebration, it might seem strange, but I want you to know that um, in this passage, Jesus gives us the entire scope of Easter and what it means and why we celebrate it. That's why I titled the sermon, The Importance of Easter. A lot of times we get so fixed up, fixed on, fixated on the resurrection, which is critical, but remember in chapter 11, Lazarus was raised from the dead. They'd seen a resurrection. Jesus' resurrection is important, but it's most important because of the victory over death, because he had lived a perfect life, because his, his death was the atonement for all who would follow him. And we must remember that not only did he rise from the dead, but he ascended into heaven, right? And he sits at the right hand of God the Father, and we know from Acts 2, he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell with us. So this passage has all of that. And the reason I'm drawn to it is um, it reminds me of like maybe a videotape. I guess we don't use that term anymore. Um, a DVD, an MP3, a digital file that someone might leave behind, whether they were leaving on a journey or they were passing away, they had a terminal illness, and they leave these instructions. But it's better from Jesus because he is alive. And he's left us this chapter, and we can read it, and the disciples had to come back and reread it as well. So let us begin by praying, and then we will unpack what he has to tell us this morning. Father, we praise you that you want to know us, and that you've sent your Son to die for us, that we might be known by him and connected to you. Jesus, thank you for living your life perfectly, carrying out your mission facing your death, even having the presence of mind to talk to the disciples in these latter parts of John as you faced the agony before you. And Holy Spirit, we praise you that you apply all the benefits of Jesus to us and that you are here in this room present. We praise you for that. Open our eyes to see your words clearly this morning. Amen. I mentioned at our Monday Thursday service that our family had been watching a television show called The Carbonero Effect, He's a magician, uh, he's really good, and the show is kind of this um, mix between magic and hidden camera. And so you have the person who has no idea they've wandered into a magic show. They think they're at a counter to buy something or they're part of a job. There's a million different types of tricks. I, I asked my family, like, what's one of our favorite ones? So I'll describe just one of them to you. A, a guy walks up to the counter at a bowling alley and orders two root beers. And Michael Carbonero looks just like the normal guy behind the counter, pulls out the thing that you pour in, but it has nothing attached to it. So he's like, oh, this is wireless. And the person's just kind of, what? Oh, yeah, we, we store all of our sodas off-site now. It's amazing what they can do. And he begins to talk about it, and, and, 
And pretty soon he's pouring root beer from a wireless spigot. What makes each of these little episodes so fun for me, I think for most of us, is not just the magic, but it's the person. Like there's that moment where they're trying to act like, I'm with you, I I understand technology, I'm smart enough, I'm following you. But their mind, you can just see their wheels are spinning. Like, this can't be real. This just can't be real. And he, his answers are, are hilarious. But in every little episode, he walks away. There's that moment where he has this kind of technique. He leaves the room, and the person is left there with whatever the, the trick is. And the camera zooms in. And you just see the face. They're just shocked. They're just kind of like, they're picking the thing up. They're kind of, whatever, there's a photograph. Whatever it is, they're just... They're, they're finally allowing themselves to be troubled by what they've just seen. We have just encountered the resurrection, or, we, or Jesus is explaining it, and he says twice in our passage, let not your hearts be troubled. And I want to ask you, are you troubled? You need to be. He's not saying you shouldn't be troubled. Jesus is saying, this is troubling. And I am afraid that often we come to Easter the two ways you're invited to come are, I don't believe it, I'm just here, and we welcome you in, and my prayer is you would believe in Jesus. Or, I believe it, and I'm troubled, but I'm trusting in Christ. But what is not allowed is to come in and say, I believe it, I've done this a lot of years, I like this theology, and I'm not troubled at all. Let not your hearts be troubled, because it is troubling. Because if you believe this, everything's going to change. That's what the message is. We celebrate Easter because it reveals the answer to every problem that you'll face, to everything. So let's start with the first point is that Jesus is the answer. I love the way, again, it begins, let not your hearts be troubled. And then he begins to explain to his disciples, I am going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to go prepare heaven for you, a room. And without getting caught up in what heaven's going to be like, understand that Jesus is saying, don't be troubled because you have a place. Like when you show up somewhere, when you show up to a room, do I have a seat? Everyone in the front row was nervous. You found your seat. And I'm so glad those seats work because they're never used. (laughs) Those are, and those are. But that's a natural thought. And so to be told, I'm leaving, but I'm preparing a place for you is a beautiful promise. And I love Thomas. Um, I love when the disciples interact because it reveals our own thinking. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we even know the way there? And Jesus says this, one of the I am statements, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And right there you hear the beginning of this drumbeat of the beauty that Jesus is the answer. He's not just going to go and do something. He is the direction. He is the way. So much could be said about that. I I wrote down, I need an illustration, and then this morning, here's what I scribbled in. The crazy train. Uh, The McConnells, I don't know if they're here. They they may have had to leave. I don't know if they're here, but they've they've come back into town. You know, the McConnells bought an RV, and they hit the road. They took all their possessions. I hope they're not here. Are they here? Dang it. (laughs) Now I'm going to mess this up. (laughs) Pretend they're not here. But imagine, I'm going to just now imagine you're one of their children and they're being told, like, where are we going? We're going to get in this RV. Okay, great. Where are we going? Like, the RV. 
Now, it will, but what, so we all with our homes get claustrophobic at the thought, but then you follow them on Facebook or Twitter or some new, new thing I don't know about. You can ask them later. You'll see amazing travels and amazing places that happened because of the RV taking them to these places. Right, so that's just an illustration that Jesus is the, the, the capsule we're in. Is that, is it, we're going to unpack that as we go, but just please understand, we want to know where are we going, and the real beauty of this passage, Jesus says, I am the way. There's another question, though, Philip asks. I love you, Philip, because you asked this hard question. It's my favorite exchange in the Bible. But Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. Every one of you says that. I believe in Jesus, I believe the Bible, I believe this, but show me X, whatever that is, and that'll be enough. Do you ever ask that question? I, I love my life, I love the theology I have, but if I could just have this sliver of knowledge, of sure, assurance, of something, that'll be enough. And what does Jesus say to Philip? Have you been with me so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And there you have this beautiful mystery that Jesus is somehow mysteriously the second person of the Trinity, the Son, but yet co-equal with the Father. And when you see Jesus, you are seeing the Father and you have everything you could ever want. So the thing I want to ask you right now is, what are the questions you're asking? What are the things you feel like you need? How are your hearts troubled? You might say, well, my hearts aren't troubled about any of this. I get this. My heart's troubled about health, money, relationships. Like, that's this, right? Whatever is troubling you, you're saying, I don't think God is enough. And I don't think Jesus is the avenue to God. So I want to start by saying Jesus is the answer, and that's this beautiful promise. But then he sort of turns up the heat and says, and you, point number two, you become the answer to the world. Right? Jesus transitions from his conversation to Philip by saying, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. This is the importance of Easter, that Jesus is saying, I'm going to the Father the church is going to carry on my mission, right? How's it going? How are we doing? It's hard to do, and that's an overwhelming commandment. And we often will read that and start to feel the weight. But if you just pay attention to what he says, I think, as Chris Moody said this morning, it'll change your life. I hate looking for people, and they're not where they're supposed to be. There he is. He did, a, he did a great job this morning, but he has a pastor, I, I assume, back home who would jokingly say, this will change your life, right? Uh, this will change your life. This is true. I can say it this one time, right? He said it. Same thing. The resurrection will change your life. Why? Listen to what Jesus says. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Do you hear that? I tend to think I'm supposed to believe in Jesus and then I'm going to go do something. But he says, no, you're going to go and be like a bird dog. You're going to go find the thing. I'm going to do it. You see the difference? 
There's a, uh, an illustration I've processed and tried for years. Emily improved it with the women at Bible study, but I can't remember what she did that was better. You have to kind of interact. But here's the way I say it. I'm a really bad handyman, okay? Like, I don't like work around the house. <laughs> it's so sad because it's so true. YouTube has not helped me. Um, but what I've noticed is uh, I f- I'm, maybe there's a bit of a perfectionistic streak where it's not that I don't think there's problems. I just don't know that I can fix all the problems. So you walk around the house, and if I admit there's a crack in the tile, guess what? I got to fix it. I got to go to Home Depot or wherever, Lowe's, YouTube video, call a friend, whatever. So it's easier to just pretend there's no problems in my house. The problem is we bought a fixer-upper, so that's a really big deal. Um, But here's the illustration. Doorbell rings, man shows up, says, hey, what are the problems in your house? What am I going to say? There aren't any. We're really fine. Like, I don't want to spend any money. I don't have the time, et cetera, et cetera. I don't need the know-how. But what if he said, no, no, no. All you have to do is show me the problem. Show me the crack. Show me the caulking. Show me the broken screen. Show me the roof. Just show it to me, and I will take care of it for you. I would spend a week with a magnifying glass, with this guy, right? I would be like, come look at, oh, right here, this could be better. Can you make the plumbing more efficient? Can you, and I would come up with so many things. The gospel frees us to do this. Jesus is not saying, find a problem, and then I'll give you a video, and then you're gonna fix it. Jesus is saying, the gospel is so big, Easter is so huge, that you find the problem, which I will help, by the way, help you with. We'll get to that in a moment. And then I'm going to fix it. Whatever you ask, I will do. So what are we asking? What are we longing for? What are we asking for in our lives, in our marriages, in our jobs, in our culture, in our towns? Are we, are we taking this, this injunction from Jesus and going forward with these requests? Are we passionate about the changes he offers So Jesus is the answer. Jesus calls us to go out and find the problems that he can fix. But the best, I think the best part about this entire Easter package is that Jesus makes us actually become the answer, right? He says, I will send a helper. It's in verse 16. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That word in the Greek, parakletos, is, it can be, some versions say counselor, some say helper. Um, there's various ways to understand it, but the idea is that there's a legal sense in which this aid, this helper, this lawyer is going to come in and argue on your behalf, is going to come in and take care of you, is going to come in and set up residence with you. Listen to these verses, by the way. Um, where Jesus explains how this union works. Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's for everybody. Like if you are a Christian, I'm saying for every Christian, if you are a Christian There's not, well, there's Christians with the Holy Spirit, and then there are those Christians, unfortunately, that don't. No. The Bible teaches if you 
confess Jesus Christ and you are a believer, the Spirit is the one who's come upon you and shown you that and has taken up residence in your soul. You may not always understand that or feel that or experience that, but it's true of you. And it gives you power. Uh, The Bible talks about union with Christ. What this means is that we are no longer separated from Jesus, but we are in union. It's a mystical union. Just as you go through this passage, you can't, it's hard to separate Jesus from the Father. It's hard to separate Jesus and the Father from the Spirit. It's equally as difficult to separate and understand how you are distinct from Jesus. If you are in Christ, he is in you. Look at verse 20. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Wait, I thought you were going to be in heaven. Like, what's he saying? He's saying he dwells in heaven as the second person of the Trinity, but through, through the Holy Spirit, he's essentially, it's as good as him dwelling in you. He's actually dwelling in your soul. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And he, my Father, and we, sorry, my Father and I, Jesus and the Father, we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus has come to you and made his home with you. Christian, is that what you hope in? Christian, is that what you believe? If you are here this morning and you are not a Christian, uh, I just hope you hear this is what we believe the Bible teaches and Jesus wants you to receive him. This world is hard. This world is broken. and This world is, is fraught with difficulties. And the gospel message this morning is that Jesus says, believe on me and I will come and make my home with you. So what does this look like? Why is this important? Um, Stranger Things, anyone watch Stranger Things? This is just one little, it's a show about the upside down. Okay, anyone? Am I making any sense? One head, three head nods, thank you. Season three's coming out. I bet you all want to get ready for that. So start with one and then two. That's how it works. Well, there's these kids, it's kind of like Goonies in the 80s kind of throwback, but they've found this other world that's upside down and it's our world but through a different lens. It looks completely backwards, okay? By the way, our world kind of should look backwards to us, right? It does. It doesn't work the way the Bible... Like, once you come to Christ, you start looking around and saying, this is the upside down, right? Okay, if you've seen the show, that doesn't sound right. The upside down is really scary. But there's a portal, I believe, like at the base of like this, at least in one of the seasons. I always get messed up because some of you really like these shows, And I I sort of like it, so I'll mess up my details. But there's a portal where they have found a way in, and they're sort of exploring the upside down from this government building. The government's always evil, right? And so, uh, and the people that are exploring it have hazmat, like these suits on. And they're tethered. I'm probably ruining this, but this is how I'm envisioning it. They're tethered to like a control center, and then they go into the upside down, right? Now, first of all, please hear me. I think our world is glorious. I think God made our world, and there's so much beauty and so much glory. But at the same time, I think it's fair to say there's a lot of brokenness and marring, and, and, and we should notice as well. So that's the upside-down comparison. But we have this suit, and we're in this world, and we're tethered to Jesus. That's the, one of many mental images you could have. And if you have that image, you would want, what would you want inside that suit? 
I would want a two, like I want it the radio. I want to hear, right? And I want to speak, like pull me out or whatever, right? And then they say, okay. Like the quarterback that has the radio when it breaks, they're like lost nowadays. Like I want to hear and speak. Okay. In our passage, Jesus is saying, I've taken up residence in you. You are now connected to the Father in your life. And he's talked about three different things, prayer and scripture and community. These are the things he's left us as means by which we experience him daily, right? Prayer, scripture, and community. And as we process those, I want you to know that um, these disciples had been following Jesus, had left their jobs, had left everything, and went with him for these three years, and were clueless. And so are we. Like, can I invite you to be clueless a little? I mean, is that okay? Like, let us at least go, okay, our hearts ought to be troubled. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I sometimes should feel like an orphan. Not always, that's not my goal. But I should recognize there will be times where I feel like an orphan. But this, he says to them, if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place. So do you hear what he just did? He kind of says to them, had you known what you should, you would have reacted differently. That's okay. Because I knew that. I'm Jesus. And I love you. And now let's keep going. Do you understand that? Like prayer and scripture and community are, are three legs of a bar stool that we all need to have, but we're going to struggle with those. They're going to be difficult. But let me encourage you that this celebration time of Easter, how can we better understand these truths? We need to come to scripture and read our word, read our Bible. That's the radio in. The Holy Spirit who dwells in you will illuminate to you. Why don't we do it more? Because we're afraid. What if I read it and I don't understand it? We're so scared of being orphaned. You'll understand it. Maybe not perfectly. Go back and read it again. Turn to your favorite verses. Maybe chew on something a little bit longer. But understand that there, this scripture is different than any other communication on the planet in it that Jesus will communicate with you. And prayer. In our, we, we get to pray. I think so often we're afraid of prayer because we're not sure what to pray. Pray that. I love it that, that you, whatever you ask, I will do it. Begin to pray. Lord, show me what to pray. Show me what to care about. Begin to pay attention to the things that trouble you and pray about those things. Begin to tune in right, to those areas where you are orphaned, where you are struggling with troubles, and begin to pray that Jesus would open your eyes to the beauties of this gospel message. And then third, the third application that we've already said, but I'll say it again, is community. In chapter 13, Jesus has washed his disciples' feet, and then he comes back to the table, and he says, do you know why I did this? You need to love each other in the same way, by washing each other's feet. In other words, we need to be moving in community in ways that the world would look at and say, that is way too, you guys are getting way too in each other's business. Like, just, just smile and pat people on the back and don't get that close. Whereas the church comes along inside each other and loves each other so well that our community should be a beacon to the world. 
So when Jesus says, obey my commands over and over, many theologians think he's primarily referring to John 13 and loving one another as the sort of the headwaters of all the commandments that would flow out of that. What would it look like to love each other well? How do we do that? We come back to our passage and we confess, and Eddie, I appreciated your confession this morning, like, have I confessed my sin? Have I repented? Have I drawn near the Lord? Have I let Jesus close to me? Have I let him see my feet? And then he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Have I been comforted by those words? Have I drawn to his scripture and into prayer and into community and found myself and, and whomever the group growing in our assurance of who Christ is? So my hope for you this Easter, as I close this sermon, is that this would be a transformation time. That all of a sudden, we don't just say, the grave is empty, and then go back. But we say, the grave is empty, and Jesus is risen, and I now am transformed and am risen with him. What is that going to look like today? What will that look like tomorrow? Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus, that we are so connected to you that it's hard to understand the mystical union we have with you. We know that we are, in one sense, all on our own, 100% human, but in another sense, completely in union with you. And it's a mystery. Let us press into you as we study the I am statements, as we look at those different ways you describe yourself. The next one in chapter 15, I am the vine, You say, Jesus, we are the branch. We are so engrafted to you that I pray your spirit would be working through each of our lives individually and our lives as a community here at Grace and wherever we go back to to our home churches and our home communities. Lord, let your gospel work be done. That the darkness of this world would be shed, light would be shed on it through our love for one another and love for you. Amen.